All right, I'm here with Jimmy Dykes, the famous Jimmy Dykes, ESPN basketball analyst. Jimmy, we're in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, it, all around the world this could be seen, but uh, Southeast Christian Church Men's Ministry is really what we're gearing this towards. And uh, you got a bunch of UofL fans, a whole bunch of UofL fans, a whole bunch of UK fans, and then there's like three of us that went to Tennessee in the whole room. So, uh, I'm definitely in the minority, but uh, your, your name um, – is very well known in the room. And so uh, I just thank you for taking some time and, and, and giving us an opportunity to hear from your heart of how Jesus has captured it. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you. I've been on a lot of podcasts and radio interviews over the last month since, since the release of my book. And I don't think I'm more excited to be on one though than I am tonight because of who I'm with, because I've heard such, great things about you as a, as a man um, and obviously what you've done with your uh, career in baseball speaks for itself. But, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy talking to people about Jesus in my life with folks that I don't know in a situation like this, but especially someone that I do know. You and I have gotten to know each other a lot better over the last five or six weeks. And uh, you've turned me on to a church, Southeast Christian in Louisville, that now our Sunday morning in our household, we watch our, uh, our home church is Fellowship Bible Church here in Northwest Arkansas. And then we quickly transitioned to Southeast Christian. And That's awesome. what, what a phenomenal, phenomenal church you guys had. You can see God's presence on Kyle when he teaches. And I'm just really excited to, to, to be on with you tonight and just, and just visit about what, what God's doing in my life, what he's, what he's done in my life. I think he's doing through this book right now and the great state of Kentucky. Uh, man, I, I, that's, I, I love the bluegrass state. I love covering Kentucky basketball and Louisville basketball. And uh, it seems like I get to do both those teams every year right now. And that's, that's a good thing in my life. Yeah. It's a great place to be if you're a hoops nerd, like I am. And uh, we, we are, we are fortunate to hear you a lot throughout the, the fall and the winter. So man, let's get into it. I, I'd love to hear, first of all, for, for us basketball junkies, you know, we know you mostly as an analyst. And, of course, those who follow the women's game know you were coaching Arkansas uh, recently, the University of Arkansas's women's team. But tell me, take me through your basketball journey. I mean, right from the beginning and, and through college and then as a coach and as an analyst. Yeah, I, well, I played at Arkansas for now a Hall of Fame coach, Eddie Sutton. Uh, and then I coached with him as an assistant coach at Arkansas, Kentucky, Oklahoma State. Uh, and then I got into the NBA for about three years scouting for the Seattle franchise at the time. And then uh, just got across my path with the right guy at the right time at ESPN and started to work for them and didn't really know that's what I wanted to do. But I, I fell in love, love with the job. And um, I just finished my 23rd year Chris, with ESPN as a college basketball analyst. Uh, I had to take a three-year uh, break, I guess. Uh, to coach at my alma mater, the women's the women's team, uh, but I just finished my third year uh, back with ESPN. The majority of my games are in the SEC, uh, but I, I bounce all over the country in non-conference tournaments. And I was really fortunate to learn the game under uh, Eddie Sutton at Arkansas as a player and then as a coach. Uh, the things that he stood for as a coach still resonate with me as a broadcaster and how I see the game. I think we're all like that as former players. We see the game. Yeah. So defense is huge with me, the discipline of the game, the, the, the dedication, all those hardcore things that he stood for 
uh, I'm much in line with today. So I'm very fortunate that uh, I, I spent a, a lot of time under him. But then my basketball has gone to a whole nother level because of my job with ESPN, like you with baseball. When you get to bounce around and spend time with guys like Chris Mack and John Calipari and Rick Barnes and Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams and Bill Self over the 23 years, I've seen it all, man. I, I, I've seen all the practices and, and, and been around it. So uh, I, I, that, that's, that's my job, but it's not who I am. It's not who I am. And a lot of people get that confused. And I have to make sure that I keep that very clear in my life that God has given me, like yourself, a tremendous platform uh, with ESPN. But that, that's what I do. That is not who I am. Who I am and who I'm called to be is a husband and a dad and a follower of, a G, of Jesus and a leader of my home. And uh, I, I try to make sure I can stay within those boundaries all the time. Well, I will say that it, it's pretty clear listening to you. I mean, obviously, I know a little bit more about you maybe than the, the average fan, but there's definitely a depth to you that comes across, even if it's the first time uh, you'd ever heard one of your broadcasts. So I think you do a fantastic job. And, uh, I would love to hear your faith story. Were yeah. you, you know, were you raised in a Christian home? Did you come to Christ later in life? I'd love to hear how and when Jesus captured you. Yeah, my, my heart was captured by Jesus when I was 11 years old in a small country church in Topeka, Kansas. And the church was so small, we didn't even have our own baptistry. So we had to borrow a church two weeks later after our service to go over and, and get, get me baptized. And then my faith has just been very real, Chris, and very authentic to me all the way through. I, I don't have one of those stories where my, my, my college days or out of college, I was, I was off and and I was far, far from perfect, but, but I do know in my heart, I've always had a hold of God's hand. I've always felt his presence in my life. My, um, my, my faith, my, my love for the Lord, my love for God's written word really grew during my college years in the summer, back when we weren't required to stay on camp. In fact, we couldn't go to summer school and work out. We couldn't have practices. So my four summers in college, I was a counselor at a Christian camp in Missouri called Canicuck Camp, a phenomenal Christian sports camp um, where you're, you know, the counselor. I think most of the time my, my cabin was junior high boys, uh, but I was there for like 30 days in a row uh, as a counselor every summer. My faith really grew there and became uh, real to me, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of been a life journey for me, just like it is for a lot of us, you know? Mm. And stages in life have taken me to another level. When I got married, didn't get married till I was almost 40. That certainly uh, opened my eyes and my ears to a whole other level of spiritual calling in my life. And then when I became a dad, so uh, it's it's uh, it's the it's the most important thing in my life. You know, I know that in my heart. It's been really solidified over the last three years, maybe four or five years, going back into the end of my coaching there. Uh, just how, how, how much God loves me, how much he cares for me, how much he's involved with, with all the details of my day, uh, and the obedience and responsibility that comes with that uh, has really grown in my eyes just in the last few years. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into that a little bit more, but you said something there that really that, that piqued my interest. We have a lot of men at Southeast in, in our men's ministry that are single. And you talked about not getting married till you were almost 40 years old. Yeah. But yet, but yet you were 
committed and consistent in your walk with Jesus uh, to the degree that, that any of us are capable of doing that, right? For, for up even until you were married. We hear a lot of men, they get married, they quote unquote settle down and they maybe right. find a deeper walk. But, but I would love to hear about your journey through singleness and, and what God taught you through that and how he, he, he kept you through that. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I, I coached right out of college. I was an assistant at Arkansas and Sacramento State, Appalachian State, Kentucky for two years, Arkansas, Little Rock, Oklahoma State. And then I scouted for three years where I was always on the road. So I wasn't even in one place long enough for the first 10 years out of college to get a steady relationship going. I was so driven in my work. Um, I just, and I, I, looking back, God didn't have my heart ready, and obviously he didn't have my wife ready yet um, to, for, for, my, for my path across. But, you know, I, I just stayed, uh, I stayed before him a lot, praying about my future wife mm. before I ever knew or ever saw or anything like that. Um, but I, I really spent, I, I remember looking back now, because I've had this question asked a lot, Chris. I, I really prayed a lot during that time for God to prepare me. Um, and it's, I, I, I prayed for my future wife, but I spent a lot of time knowing that when I found her, uh, because I was 39 years old at the time, I was like, I'm not going to have time or take the time for a three year engagement here. Yeah. When I find her and I know, and God speaks to me, it's time to play ball, you know, take batting practice, get us some jump shots and let's go. So I want to make sure that my heart was prepared for that moment. And it was, but it's a, you know what? It, it was it was intentional uh, on my part during that time in my life uh, to make sure that I was pursuing those areas of my life to be ready when God said, "This is her," and and uh, He came through when when I was ready. That's the way to that's the best way to put it. That's a good word. At, at, at Southeast Men's, we we are passionate about bringing men together for relationships that have depth, that have meaning, where we're sharpening each other pointing each other towards Jesus. Yeah, it's a place where we can come and um, spill our guts, but, but it's, it's not about, hey, man, you're no good, I'm no good. Isn't it great? We have each other. The hope is, hey, man, let's, let's see how we can rise up. Let's see how we can yeah. walk more closely and allow God to use us as opposed to just being stuck in where we're at. So I'd love to know about the men in your journey. It could be through basketball or it could be outside of basketball. Men that that you look towards and you said, man, that's a dude whose walk is attractive. I would love to, to glean from him and learn from him how he has gotten to that place in his walk with Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the most recent ones in my life right now. And I think that's so, so important. And in my book, I talk about it. Um, who's in my ear? is, is mm -hmm. always, always a priority with me. And I have a close knit of five or six guys. I have a lot of friends like you do, but I have a core five or six guys that when I've got something going on, I want to have prayer for, work through, bounce ideas off of. I want to make sure those five or six guys are, are pursuing the same lifestyle. They're pursuing the same, same things in their life and I am in mine. And so I have put together those guys and it's a lot of it's based upon guys in Northwest Arkansas where I live that I, that I see a consistency in their life. I've known them for years. I see a consistency in their walk. I see a consistency in how they are as a husband, how they treat their wives, how they are as engaged dads, 
all those things. And the four or five guys right now, if I started naming them off, they, they fit that criteria. And that word consistency is huge with me. And uh, that's, that's, that's kind of looking back over the last 25 years, though that tight inner circle of guys that I've depended on, I, I've wanted to see a consistency in their walk because I want that in my own life. And I want truth spoken into my life. Mm. Someone speaking into my life, Chris, that is telling me what I want to hear as opposed to what I need to hear and what God's written word says, Jimmy, about what you're going through and about what you're thinking about. So, you know, right now, a, a guy that's really uh, impacting my life is Rick Barnes. And mm. see, uh, I did not tell Jimmy to say that. I no, did he did not, not know. Tell he Jimmy to say that. But please go on, please. Yeah, Rick's, uh, Rick's, Rick's walk is it's real, it's authentic. Uh, he shared a story a couple of years ago at a, at a final four breakfast that I was hosting, how God, um, one morning his daughter came to him and said, dad, we're not sure you're going to heaven anymore. And, uh, it just, it shook Rick to his core because he knew that his job in basketball had become his God. And he'd gotten away from who he was as a Christian, as a believer. And he completely changed his life, uh, in terms of how he treats his staff, how he treats his players how he interacts with people on a day-to-day -day basis. He's a real authentic guy in my life that has really uh, kind of set the bar for me in terms of how I, how I would like to be more of. Mm. Uh, the, the, the local sheriff here in, our, in Washington County where I live is the same kind of a guy. Uh, so I've, you know, I've been, I'm like you, I've been, I'm fortunate to be around a lot of cool guys, okay? Mm. And, and for us, cool guys are head coaches and all that. Uh, but I've struck up some really good impactful relationships with coaches across the country uh rick being one of them uh so i have a great relationship i think with, with certainly all the coaches in the sec but uh at the at the end of the day i guess to go on from this question to the next one is i learned through not having it into my life the importance of having a core group around you man that's going to keep you between the boundaries, between the barriers, between the lines, and keeping that accountability word and, and, and love and that accountability is so, so important. And, and that's, I know you guys are strong on that, but hearing from someone outside that church, yeah, no, it's beautiful. Guys every day, man, don't ever get away from that. Don't get away from that. Well, you, you mentioned the, the story in your book about Rick Barnes, and, and I actually sent that out to a bunch of guys because that, that, that one will will strike you. I have a, I have a 12 year old daughter and I, I just actually, we, I shared it at the dinner table cause we're all such big Tennessee fans. And uh, so I shared that with my daughter and, yep. and, and that, that all was just um, led to some beautiful conversation. But let's, let's get into the book. So, uh, you know, we're talking about Jimmy's book, the film doesn't lie. Um, man, I love the title. Tell me, tell me what inspired the book. Um, and, and, and the title. I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, it was a, I, I felt a, I, I wrote it out of obedience because I knew two off seasons ago, two summers ago that, that God was calling me to put in writing things that would, that he's taught me, things that I think he wanted me to dive into even deeper as I wrote about them, um, specifically challenging men to a more authentic, a more obedient walk with Jesus. You know, so it's such a such a common phrase and a common uh, practice in sports with a 
players and coaches to watch a film. Yeah. That film does not lie. It doesn't lie in baseball, football, basketball. Just keep on going. It doesn't lie. You, you, you thought you know the, the right here. Stop it. Look at the play, and you tell me again where you're in position or where you're not. Mm-hmm. Were you boxing off or were you not? Were you spreading the floor or were you not? Just keep on going. What's your body language look like right there? You tell me. Yes. All, all that stuff. All that stuff. And so I, I, I took that analogy because I think it's so powerful and so much truth in the, the truth of a film. And I bring the reader into that scenario, but then transition to life in terms of being intentional to create time and space in your heart as a guy to be tough enough to put your game film on and watch it. Mm. Let God speak to you and let his Holy Spirit lead you and change you and reveal to you where things need to be improved. And that's the whole backbone and the common thread throughout that book is diving into things like what's in our heart and how much unforgiveness do we have? What are spoken words we're using every day? How does, how does that really align with what God says about us? And so it's an easy read because you're, you're, you're talking to me right now. I, I don't use big words. Like I'm, the, I'm just a normal guy. <laughs> it is definitely a page turner. It's an easy read. If you love hoops, if you love the Lord, it's a great read. Yeah, um, but it's, if you but love hoops and don't know the Lord, it is a great read. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an, I, so I wrote a book thinking I want to write something that I would read. And that for me, that's, can I read this in two or three days? Yes. Uh, it's easy from that standpoint. It's challenging though, as you know, from the standpoint of shutting the door, getting quiet, reading it, and honestly reflecting on wh- where am I right now and what Jimmy's talking about. And that's when real growth and real change occurs in someone's heart. And you, when you get quiet before the Lord, like that book calls you to do, I think. Well, I don't want to give away the, all the secrets of the book, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the powerful truths that are in there. But I would love to highlight just a couple things. Um, and the first thing I love is chapter three. Now, it's not the first thing I love about the book. The first thing I want to hit on in, in this conversation. Chapter three, you were at the Duke Louisville game last year, which is uh, still a scar for many that are going to hear this. Uh, and actually, a funny story about that. Um, my buddies give me trouble for this, but I'm already a Tennessee fan, so I can pretty much say whatever. I, they, right. can't, they can't dislike me anymore. But I grew up, Bobby Hurley was my first favorite player ever. Okay. okay. So I'm kind of a closet dookie. Closet's probably not the right word. I'm kind of a um, – uh, I grew up a Dookie, okay, kind of yeah. a childhood Dookie. Obviously, Tennessee's first in my heart, but I still pull for the Dookies a little bit. And so, of course, I'm raising a, a, a wannabe baller. My oldest boy, he, he, he can dribble the ball a little bit. He loves to play. And so we've watched Duke, you know. So for Christmas, my father-in-law got me and him t- tickets to the Duke L game. Well, we actually played a game that night at 7. Your game started at 9. 9, it did. And he was getting over the flu, which we try not to let much keep us down here. So he played like two days after getting the flu. We had a championship game. We had to play that night. <laughs> so we still went to the – we played the game. We yeah. still went to the U of L game. And we're probably one of 100 people in the whole stadium rooting for Duke. Right. And 
I, I just kept looking at him and said, Jackson, and just say, this ain't their night. Yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. You know, I said, look here. I said, man, if it's still 20 points at the 10-minute mark, like, we got to go to bed. Like, you, right. you're already spent. We got school the next day. Like, we got to get out of here. Please don't so tell me you left. We left, okay? No. At the time, by the time we got in our car and I found it on the radio, it was a 10-point game. Yep. And by the time we got on the highway, it was a three-point game. <laughs> and we got we got home to watch Duke make like a couple free throws to finish it off and win it. He was oh, wow. <laughs> he was not real happy. So anyway, but I, I love the Coach K story because like you, I've been blessed to be around a lot of champions. Yeah. A lot of champions. And I, I as an analyst, I observed them from afar. Um, I feel like in our generation of athletes I'm, I'm probably gonna hit you out of left field here but I, I, I see if you how f- closely you follow the game of golf one of the great self-talkers I've ever heard is Phil Mickelson huh like Phil Mickelson they've been trying to say he's dead in the water for a decade and every right. time somebody puts a mic in his face he's on a new diet he's got a new workout regimen he's got a new swing thought he's got a new driver he's got you know what I mean like yeah he's never out of it he's never no. done if he shoots 74, he's got a chance to shoot 66 the next day because his self-talk is so powerful, okay? Now, okay. that's not exactly what you're getting out in this, but the Coach K story kind of made me think of that. Yeah. I'd love you to tell the Coach K story. Yeah, it was uh, – so, as you know, on the day of the game, both teams practice, and it, at, at Duke's practice that morning about 11 a.m., he came over and he was talking to Reese Davis and I, and just during the conversation – uh, he was talking about leadership and the importance of when, as a leader, you, you never show weakness, you never show uncertainty. You're always the strong voice, the confident voice, that this is what we're, the direction we're going voice. And he said, you know what, sometimes in a game, I, I don't even know what to do, which when Susie said that, I was like, What? Like, if you had times like that, what's the rest of the world doing as coaching ball? Because you're coaching. Oh, yeah. Everybody's um, making it up. Yeah, so I followed up. I said, so, Coach, you just said there's times in the game even you don't know what to do. What do you do in those situations? He said, I only say positive things uh, until it comes to me in my heart and my mind what I really do need to be saying. He said, because I, my, my body, I'm, re- I'm responsible for my body language, responsible for my words, I'm responsible for leading, I'm responsible for what I'm saying out loud to myself so I can hear myself, all those things. And I thought it was, I thought it was terrific insight. And I had it written down in my notes to talk about that night during the game because I thought it was insight that we don't hardly ever get to see from Coach K. And like you said, man, they're down 21 points with just under nine minutes to go, I think, somewhere in there. And they come back and win the game, and afterwards, Zion Williamson gets interviewed, and our signing reporter asked him what was Coach saying during those timeouts, and he just kept saying that, that I, I don't coach losers, I coach winners, mm-hmm. and, and we are going to win this game. And he just stayed positive the entire time. And for him to, for him to have that conversation at 11 a.m. and see it play out basically at 11 o'clock that night, it really resonated with me. And in that chapter, I talk about, I, I tell that story in greater detail, but then I throw it back to us as men and say, okay, what, what are our words saying about our situation, mm. saying about our God? What's it, what are our words saying about ourself? And does that align with who God says we are? 
And th that challenge really, uh, that, that, that chapter really challenged me because I'm not great with my tongue at all. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it will cost me. It, it, it will cost me as quick as anything out there. But that, that lesson, that reminder, that chapter, as an author, when you start writing about things like the power of your spoken words and you start digging into it, <clears throat> then my whole accountability went to hold up. It has to. But yes. I, I, think, I think we miss a lot. And this is not the power of positive thinking or all that. I think we miss a lot as men with our tongue mm -hmm. and, and not speaking truth, not speaking scripture over the situation in our life. Mm -hmm. You know this, when Satan went right at Jesus, what did Jesus do? He came right back with the word. He came right back with the word. Mm -hmm. So is Jimmy Dice going to be so proudful and so arrogant to think that Satan's not going to come at me? I mean, he mm -hmm. went at Jesus. I know he's going to come at me. So if I learn anything from that story, I better learn the importance of my spoken word and what I should be saying. Of course, we can't give what we don't have. And we know that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we don't have God's word hidden in us, it ain't going to come out. It, it ain't going to come out. And really that goes, and I could go through your whole book and we could spend two hours, but I want men to buy it. So I won't do that. But that takes us to, to me, uh, you know, if we were polling what, what the best chapters were, it'd be hard to vote. But chapter six, man, this place is rocking. Yeah. It's, it spoke to me, number one, just because we're, we're uh, uh, we both in the same line of work. And so I, I could really relate to the idea yeah. of the producer's voice, right? And, yeah. and just uh, take, take us into that chapter as far as, obviously you've been in a lot of rocking arenas, but when you got that headset on, there is one voice, Yep. Right. There's one voice and that is there's a bunch of different voices, but there's only one voice that matters the most. Yeah. And that's the producer. Right. For any of us that work in TV, there's a you can have an audio guy, you have a sideline reporter, you, you got your play by play guy, you can have the director hop in. There's no telling. Yeah. There's one voice that matters above all. That's the producer. And just how that how that uh, translates to what you're speaking about God and his word, but also. Yeah. I love how you finish with that chapter about just that, that challenge of 1%. Yeah. Well, that, the, uh, that, that, I, I love that chapter. I've gotten a lot of responses about that chapter um, because what, it deal, what, what I'm dealing with there, Chris, is all the noise, man, that comes at us 24 hours a day. From the time we open our eyes in the, in the morning to the time we close them at night, it's just constant noise, and, and, and Satan is on the attack. He, he's, he's on the attack, and, and, the, and the noise in our ears is one of his great deceitful ways that he comes at us. Now, that, that's the voice of, 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 of untruth talk that, that's going around us at times, but it comes the voice of greed, the voice of envy, the voice of comparison, the voice of lust, the voice mm. of pride, the voice of arrogance. All those voices, man, just they just hammer away at us, okay? It's like when I'm broadcasting a basketball game. The, the, the crowd noise uh, in the Young Center or Rupp Arena can be deafening, even with a headset on. It, it can yeah. Be then you got the live noise that is picking up the squeak of the sneakers and the, and the whistles and the band and the cheerleaders and the coaches. Then, like you said, you got four or five other voices in your headset. While all that mess is going on, I'm listening to the play-by-play. I can hear myself. But when the producer says, hey, guys, or hey, Jimmy, the next replay is this, everything else doesn't even matter. 
Like, that's what I have to be able to hear, is that, or I'm going to look lost on the air. And I, I quickly transition that story into how, how, how in tune I have to be to, to recognize his voice, uh, how close that voice has to be to me, and where am I when it comes to that same uh, trained ear, ear that desires to be close to God's voice. Mm. and the importance of that and how does that occur like i'm not going to get to know you very well going forward if i don't communicate with you and i don't spend time with you and i don't develop a friendship with you and a greater deeper all those things um and it's the same way with any relationship out there it certainly holds true with our relationship um with god and i just don't see i just don't see how you can have a closeness with god and an intimacy with him because he seldom communicates with us through, a, through, a, through those loud thunderstorm moments, yeah. FedEx packages, vo boom voices. Mm -hmm. Those gentle whispers and, and gentle nudges that he's normally calling us. And I don't know about you, I can't hear someone whispering to me unless I'm really, really close. Mm -hmm. and, and I get quiet enough to hear it. And quiet enough to hear it. And that, that's that's when that 1% that I challenge the reader in this book, 1% uh, of your day is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. And, and I don't care who it is. I don't care who's listening to this podcast right now, including me and you. No one is so busy or so important or so uh, restricted in their, in, their, in their daily calendar or whatever that they don't have 1% of their time to get quiet with God. And God, God challenged me with that about three years ago, and I've tried to very disciplined to stay with it. Uh, I think there's so much good in that, Chris, because I do it at the beginning of my day, and I think it's putting God in the right place, putting him first in my life before my, my, my messages on my phone, my emails, phone calls, what, whatever it is. Uh, and I've gotten pretty consistent about it, but... Uh, Man with all the noise, mm. no matter it, it just you, every, every guy listening right now knows what I'm talking about. The noise that comes at us, man, is relentless, and that voice, God's voice, has to be louder than all the others, and it's a challenge. No, it is, and 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 it's also a uh, it's a non-negotiable. It should be for all those that are desiring to walk with Christ and, and, and grow in our ability to make him known. Right. And, yes. uh, and to impact others. And so again, without, without getting into every detail of the book, I'll finish with this uh, to me, the chapter nine and the, are your non-negotiables negotiable? Mm. Um, and here's, here's why I chose this for last. I believe this wholeheartedly in every discipline worth pursuing the best of the best and this is before i read a word of your book the, the best of the best love the fundamentals yep to the point where and you know this to be true and i know this to be true when you find out what's behind the curtain of some of the best programs or the best players that have ever done it you mm -hmm. can almost be disappointed yeah You're like, that, that, that's it that, that's it John, John Calipari. So you just, you just give them some structure and you encourage them and you just give them freedom to play. And I don't want to minimize it. Right. But it's like, it, it, 
you know, that, that's what we do. You know, we just do it really well. And I, I tell my kids this all the time. Like Lance Berkman was one of the great hitters of my generation. I was fortunate enough to play with him. Like, if you want to know what he did, he had his team routine and he'd hit 10 line drives in the back of the cage on a pitch down the middle. And he hit 10 line drives in the left center field gap on the ball away. And he hit 10 line drives in the right center field gap on a ball that was up and in. And if he did, he did that every day. And if he was dialed in on that, he was ready to play the game. And people would be like, but no, 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 no. Tell me, that's it. It's, you know, it's what I do, right? And so the, the Tyler Hansborough story uh, and the quote that he never got bored with the basics, uh, it just, man, it speaks to me, man, because I feel like we need some brand-new devotional. We need, we need mm-hmm. a charismatic speaker, like – we, we have to – somebody has to grab our attention or else we're going to get lost. You know? Right. Uh, so I'd love to hear kind of your um, – the heart behind that chapter, and I'd love to hear you just unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, it was a – I was on a – I was in a, a car ride with Roy Williams for about 20 minutes one summer to the airport. We were sharing a ride. I just asked him because I was a big Tyler Hansbrough fan. As a college player, like, he's one of my favorite guys I ever yeah. covered of how he played he wasn't a great pro i understand that but man that dude was the real deal in college mm-hmm. so i asked coach i said coach what what made tyler Hansbro tyler Hansbro, two-time national player of the year it, uh, all, all the accolades he said jimmy he never got bored with the basics like he wore people's butts out every day by being at practice early lifting weights like he's supposed to diet never wavered stretching never wavered in, in, in my program, as a big guy, you always run full-speed sprint from offense to defense, full-speed sprint, defense to offense. Never one time would we put on a film and him not be sprinting and be the mm. first guy on the floor. He, did, he never got bored with the basics of boxing off. He never got bored with the basics of, I'm an offensive rebounder. I'm supposed to go to, to the glass every single time. Mm. Like, he just wore people out mm. by, being bored, by not being bored with the basics. And I thought, you know, if a guy can become a national player of the year in college basketball with all the unreal talent that's out there by excelling at the basics and, and, and not getting away from those, why, why can't I do that in my pursuit of God and my mm-hmm. walk with Jesus? And just what you said, I mean, the basics to me are God's written word in front of me, quiet, alone with, with, with that time every day applying it, being obedient to what I, to what the Holy Spirit enlightens to me and, and, and being responsible for acting on it and just the basic stuff, mm. the basic common sense stuff too, that I write about in the book. Like there's things as a, as a follower of Jesus and a, and a married guy that I just not going to do it. Like I'm just, even if I'm, even if I wasn't a believer and I just want to live a, a life that honors my wife, like, I don't turn the TV on when I'm on the air. I mean, when, <laughs> certainly don't do that. I don't turn the TV on when I'm on the road. Don't, on turn, the road, don't even mess with road, it. I don't know, I don't know, 150, 200 nights a year. Never turn the TV on in my hotel. Not, not because I struggle with that area of my life that, that can be on a screen, but I don't want to struggle with it. I don't want to ever get caught up in that. So I... I, I unplug my TV. I don't even know where the remote is. And I do my work off of my iPhone, my computer, 
And I keep those barriers and boundaries around me. And I think for, so for Jimmy Dykes, that's just a, that's a, that's a non-negotiable in my life. It is not negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. I get some other examples in there and I, I, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, draw a line and uh, you're, you're missing it here. You're making it here. I'm just telling you what works for me. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think obedience and, but, but, but that chapter speaks to at, at the, at, man, at, the, at the core of the book, maybe that's it right there. Just not getting bored with the basics that day after day after day after day after day, I stay with it. And ultimately at the end of my time, that's who I am. It's not the highs and the lows or the, the home runs and the strikeouts. It's how many singles I just, I just kept on hitting singles, man. I just kept getting on base, kept, kept, kept getting pushed around. That's, that's that chapter right there. But, and we know what the basics is. And like you said, the core of the book, the, the kind of the spiritual disciplines, but the, the, the more intentional piece of evaluating where we are in those yeah. and being honest with ourselves for where there's room for growth, where, where maybe I'm winning and maybe I need to just, you know, keep on keeping on, but maybe, man, maybe I'm really losing there. And I think, you know, kind of back to the heart of, of why we're talking, which is men sharpening men, you got to have people in your life. Obviously, there's some that are more gifted at really having that reflective. And as you know, as a coach, self-awareness is a, is a, is a talent. It really is. Nobody right. makes reports on it. But the, the people that are self-aware usually have a pretty good shot in different uh, areas of life. But some of us, we have blind spots, right? I know I do, sure. right? And I need yeah. somebody to point them out to me. I, and, and if we're not knee-to-knee, shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder with men who we've given permission to ask us tough questions or to say bold things in our lives. Um, sometimes it can be hard to really have that reflective time. Cause if we're honest, right, that can be scary. That can be uncomfortable. And I'd rather just keep on keeping on. Have you found some stories of men coming to you going, Hey, Jimmy, man, this whole concept of evaluating my film has really hit home. And because of that, fill in the blank. Yes. Uh, it, it's been amazing to watch God move that book into the hands of head college football coaches and basketball coaches all across the country. But then just where I've seen him take that book and text messages, emails, handwritten notes I've gotten from guys that have said, uh, I, I was, I was, I was literally, I was on the verge of a divorce. I was leaving mm. my family. Mm. The book got handed to me. I started reading it because I thought it was a sports book. And lo and behold, God just grabbed me by the heart and just, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put it down. It changed my life. So I've, I've heard that. Um, I, I think what I've heard from guys is um, that it's, uh, there's, there's a need in our world right now, in our society with, with men, I think overall, for a good old fashioned call back to, Mm. repentance obedience and letting the love of Jesus and the truth of God's written word change our heart mm. and allowing God to do it and if, if, if you're not going to allow God to change your heart uh, and, you're, and you're already set on that that book not don't even buy the book don't even read the book mm. this book's going to call you I think to a time of clear reflection um, tough evaluation, but man, that's when real change, as you know, mm. occurs in people's lives. 
And uh, so I, it, it hits at a time right now where our country, I was listening to uh, Kyle's uh, lesson this, this past Sunday, or maybe it's a couple of, I don't, I, in the last two or three weeks. Yeah. It, you know, it's to be so easy to come on here right now as, yeah. uh, as a leader and just, and, and, and pump everybody up. It's going to be okay. God's going to get us through this. But, and, and, and there's truth in that. But he went the other direction of, man, if ever there's a time for a time of reflection and repentance mm. and all those things that go with that, man, now, now's the time. And um, so it was, a, you know, it's, I, I don't want anyone, I don't want anyone listening to this to think, you know, Jimmy Dykes has it all figured out. Because, man, I don't, Kyle. I, I, I don't. There's, there's things in that book. Things in that book I still struggle with every day, man. Mm. Every day. But I, I, I know that I have a tight grip on God's hand. I know he has a tight grip on mine. And that's all. That, that, that's the most important thing right there is to never, never, never let go of God's hand. Mm. There's guys listening right now that are, they may, they, they've lost their job. They're, they've lost their, 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 their kids are going a different direction on them. They've got horrible news from a doctor, what, whatever it is. And I would just tell you, man, now's the time to grab hold even tighter and, and hold on and know that God's going to, God's, God's there with you. Mm. He's there with you. He loves you. He wants to change you. And we have to have the, uh, the, the obedience and the intentionality to, to hold on sometimes. Mm. One of my favorite quotes from the book was, you cannot be intimate with God and hold hands with sin at the same yeah. time. I just thought that was a beautiful quote. Uh, really stuck with me. So, man, I could talk to you for, for hours. We, we hadn't even got into the straight nine drives. <laughs> the hard, man. Garden your yard. And man, we get yeah. up forever. But I won't let the men do that themselves. But one of the things when we have men speak at our uh, weekly uh, gathering, we usually do a little warm-up session before they grab the mic. And uh, the last thing we usually ask them, is it because it, it's called man challenge uh, one of our one of our uh, big gatherings is called man challenge we meet every thursday and saturday and we say if, with that theme in mind man challenge if you could challenge the men in the room so for you you challenge the men that are going to hear this to do one thing and you knew knew for sure that they would do it as it pertains to their walk with god what would it be to really dig deep into their game film mm. and be true with himself on do I understand the word forgiveness in my life because my my whole entire hope my whole entire existence my whole entire relationship with Jesus is based upon that word forgiveness. Mm. and I've gotten more response more questions more challenges on that chapter than anything and realize, man, I, 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 I thought I had it suppressed resentment, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness towards something or some situation in my life, in my past. And to me, that word forgiveness, um, if I think obedience, I said that word more than any other thing in that book because that forgiving someone 
or getting rid of that resentment, bitterness in our life towards something, it does not come natural. Mm. It is not a natural response. It takes an obedient response in terms of how, how God's written word, this is not Jimmy Dyke saying it, God's written word is very, very clear about how we are to forgive mm. and, and the reason behind it. And I would, I would, uh, I would say that's, that's the big challenge in the room right there. Well, Jimmy, I appreciate it, man. The film doesn't lie. It is a book that will uh, it will capture your attention and it will certainly capture your heart, man. Praise God that you were obedient to His call uh, in your life to to write this book. Uh, and I'm just, man, I'm super fired up to see how God continues to use it, and hopeful that many of the men in our ministry will dive into it, man. And I just want to say thanks for taking the time to to be with us, brother. Yeah, it was a, it was a great comfort. I'm like, I just keep on going, but. You better cut it off. I would tell your guys this, that if they would like to buy a copy of the book, the, the best place to buy it right now, because it's, it's kind of slow. It, uh, Amazon is so swamped right now with all the other stuff. Mm. Getting books out is not real quick. If you go to my, my website, coachjimmydykes.com, and if you buy the book off of that website, um, I, I am personally signing a note and signing mm. there you go. Books and sending them out. So, if, if any of your guys say, man, I like to get my hands on the book, go to coachingmedikes.com and you, you'll get the book quicker. And I did today for about two hours. I set my office and personally signed books and, and, and got them out to people. So I just want to throw that out there as well. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we get back to some normalcy and uh, you come in town to do either the cats or the cards and we can get you live and in person at, at Man Challenge. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. All right, man. Let's talk again soon. All right, Jimmy. Thanks, dude. All right, man.